Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I believe this is episode 90, which I'm pointing out because we're getting up there in the numbers now. Uh, getting close to that 100. But this is a science fiction movie podcast. I am Peter and I'm joined as always by Tara. Greetings, citizens. And today we go into the drift together because we are going to be talking about Pacific Rim from 2013. Directed by Guillermo del Toro. We will start spoiler free. We'll give you a warning before we go into the spoilers. Uh, it's actually kind of weirding me out a little bit. This is already seven years old because I'm like, I feel like I went to go see this in theaters like last week. <laughs> like, I thought it was way older than that. You thought it was older <laughs> than that? Yeah. 2013? 2013, 2013, yeah. Dang. I know. Um, I never saw it in theaters though. Uh, I, uh,. Yeah, I remember going to see it. It doesn't feel... I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it doesn't feel like it's been that long. And it's just like, wait, this is already seven years old? Like, damn. Uh, but hey, uh, so this is, of course, a very science fiction-y science fiction movie. We have giant robots called Jaegers. We have Kaiju coming out of a, well, a, a rift at the bottom of the Pacific. <laughs> and we have giant battles and very colorful visuals uh, set in the not-too-distant future. Now, admittedly, the reason why we were doing this, uh, we were doing a little triple feature over this in the next two episodes of movies set in 2020. We have to admit that Google failed us a little bit here because this is set in 2020, and that is technically true, but only the opening sort of prologue scene, not the rest of the film, <laughs> which is set in 2025. <laughs> like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, we tried. Okay, we didn't know. We we couldn't have known until we watched it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there was a sort of moment where I was, like, it came up saying twenty twenty in that opening, and I, like, and I knew it was going to jump ahead some years, like very quickly. And I thought, do I just stop this now and tell Tara and we can <laughs> we can divert? Do, do a different movie? That's <laughs> uh, all right. It is, you know, partially set in twenty twenty. The big event happens in twenty twenty, right? Yeah. Well, it's actually really weird because at one point they were talking about like something they've done in the past. Like, hey, I did this in 2017. And I'm like, this is weird. But when I saw this in theaters, that was the future still. But now, we're, yeah. <laughs> now that's the past. And I don't know. It's just <laughs> all very odd. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, the premise is the premise. Uh, the, the, you know, the, these kaiju are coming out of this rift. Uh, it's getting worse and worse. Uh, the human beings of the world build, as opposed to the cats and dogs, uh, build giant robots called Jaegers which take two pilots and there's reasons which we'll get into when we're talking about the movie but uh take two pilots and they fight the kaiju but the kaiju keep coming more more often more quicker because at first it's like like over a year before the next kaiju comes or something like that and then it keeps you know speeding up a little bit and a little bit uh and it's all bubbling over till this kind of we get to this breaking point which is set you know in 2025 where we're down to the last few Jaegers no one really believes in the program anymore but these kaiju are about to do something big. So, you know, there's this, there's this race to try and, like, finish it at the last possible chance they've got. Uh, so that is the basic premise uh, of the film. And uh, so I'll ask Tara, how do you feel about Pacific Rim? I don't really like this movie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, bold. Yeah, I know I probably should. I love Godzilla. I love giant kaiju. Um, I love robots. I I don't know. This movie feels like a boy playing with toys. <laughs> it doesn't really <laughs> feel like a movie to me. Uh, I think all the kaiju look the same. I I don't. I'm not impressed with the the same shot of the kai or the the Jaeger rising from the water and looking real strong. <laughs> and then it just like it's like watching a Transformers movie slightly better, but <laughs> just slightly. slightly it's bad. like Transformers and the kong skull island had a baby and i don't really care i don't like this movie it's not made for me i know i like it i like you can hear the, the the strong opinion and the hot take so i'll make this <laughs> for a more interesting conversation because I, I do happen to like this movie um i'll admit though this time i think some of the negative and this is stuff that i've always thought was the weaker elements of the film i think bothered me a little bit more but not like a great extent like i'm still into it and uh you know I happen to also kind of enjoy the sequel, which we'll talk about uh, in the not-too-distant future. Because uh, we might as well come back and just do the second one and wrap it up. <laughs> There's only one more. Sure. I um, haven't seen it. But, yeah, I, I, 
Honestly, if, if I was to sum up, you know, the, the, the problems of the film kind of in a, a summary, it would just be, uh, well, Charlie Hunnam and anything revolving around him and his drama <laughs> of finding a new co-pilot. The first half is a little bit of a slog because of that plot. Um, for me, though, once you reach about the halfway point where I'll just say the Hong Kong fight uh, kind of mm-hmm. comes into it, from then on, I'm pretty into it and I'm kind of... It, 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 hey, maybe maybe the a boy playing with his toys is why I'm into it, and it appeals to me in a lot of ways. <laughs> but I think it's pretty well shot. I love how colourful and vivid it is. I think the action is pretty solid and well done. Uh, it's big, it's pulpy, it's actually easy to follow what the action is. I think that comparison with Transformers stings a little bit because I think I should like Transformers too. I have no, there's no reason why I shouldn't like a, a good fun, you know, not necessarily a you know, super deep movie, but like. Just a fun Transformers movie should be a good time. The problem mm-hmm. is, is that Michael Bay has to cut around and do all these weird close-ups with really complex robots. And by the end of it, you're just like there was just there was lots of things flash, flashing by very quickly. I couldn't tell what was going on. And this, like, I can always follow the fights. And there's actually sort of you know big popping moments. You know, and the, the moment in the trailer that stuck out before I even saw the movie, and it still pops me in the film itself is. Wait, is is that Jaeger carrying a ship? Oh, it's going to use the ship as a bat. Why why would it do that? (laughs) I think this movie fails at the scale. Like, um, it it still feels like a lot of heavy CGI that I'm watching, and or like a man running around and there's a toy truck, and I'm not seeing like an actual truck, and that thing is just really big. I don't know. I I have that. I have that overwhelming sense when I watch Godzilla. Or even like Rogue One um, from Gareth Edwards, because I think he's really good at making something big, like massively. Like this is otherworldly big, you know. And like I, I feel small when I watch a Godzilla movie. In this, it, I just, I just see toys playing with other toys. <laughs> like that, that ship moment should get me excited as well, and it doesn't work for me. I, I mean, I think it's an unfair comparison to compare it to 2014's Godzilla because I, I would agree with... It's a year just... after. <laughs> well, no, no, but the reason why I think it's unfair is because I think that's exceptionally good in a way that most things aren't good at conveying scale. I, so what you're saying about this, I think, equally applies to most things that are dealing with like similar ideas, I would say. Well, okay, sure. But, I mean, even the original Godzilla, I get that a bit better. The original, sure, but like after the original, like every everyone that came after. Yeah, that's what this <laughs> Not so kind much. of feels like. <laughs> I know I that. Know, I, I, maybe I'm being unfair or cruel, but I, I just see a CGI fest on screen with kaiju that all look the same. Like they, I don't get excited about a level five or a level three because <laughs> they look the same to me. I, they don't I, look any more or less dangerous. I would disagree with them looking the same. Not so much the difference in categories, but more that there's there's a couple of distinct ones that stuck out to me uh, throughout. They have different shapes and like sort of like uh, body features. Or I mean, I'll, we'll get into it in spoilers properly. Sure, but... but they don't look any different from like, like you know which one is Ghidorah or Rodan or Mothra. You know? Like they all have very sure. distinct but wait, looks. Can, can I, now I go back to something else you said though. You, you're talking about like, this being more like one of those Godzilla sequels, and I don't think that's like against what is the the, the point here. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like this exists because Del Toro was a fan of those. Movies oh yeah, I watched and through it, the credits, and at the end yeah. it says like this movie is dedicated to Ishiro Honda, and oh. um, who's the guy that Ray Harryhauser? Harryhausen. Hausen, yeah, Hauser is a gun. <laughs> Hausen, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I, I think I think you know I, I, it's kind of going for that that fun vibe and it wants to be it doesn't want to be taken too seriously and it's not taking itself too seriously I don't think um and I, I think it works on those levels I mean I, it's one of those things where I I'm all for a, a kind of you know light fun blockbuster as long as it's competent in a number of ways and I think mm-hmm. this is competent in in, in those ways again sure charlie hunnam and the a human lot plot. of not just charlie hunnam. i love charlie day i love 
you know, what I've watched of It's Always Sunny. Uh, admittedly, it's been a while since I've watched that show, but I, Charlie Day is a standout comedy actor for me mm -hmm. because of his role in that show. But in this movie, like, it's, it's based, it's like a step above 1998's Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. I actually have more of a problem with uh, the other guy, yeah, Burn Carn Carnum's character. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, the two of them together are there's, like... There's a moment good. where they eventually sort of like put their differences aside and he... Because he's obviously he's an English actor, uh, Burn Carnum, but he actually he's doing this like extra, like, you know, you know he's, he's going over the top with the voice. And mm -hmm. there's a point where he actually says, by Jove, where, you know, and I'm just, did he just say by Jove? Did, did he actually say that? <laughs> you know, it, that would be like, I don't know, what's the equivalent of, uh, like, it would be the equivalent of like a, like an American character saying golly in like 2020. <laughs> you know, that, that's kind of like just how ridiculous it would sound. Um, I think so, this movie is a 10 out of 10 to any, like, eight to 15 year old boy <laughs> but if you're out of that age range then you probably i don't know i don't think this movie is meant for 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 anyone outside of that and if you're able to channel your inner 12 year old boy then you probably would enjoy it <laughs> hi I, I mean i run a comic book podcast i think uh, <laughs> i think i inherently can channel that uh, quite quite happily um, I I mean I I I, I like it. I, and it's funny because I, I, I like some dumb blockbuster movies that are all spectacle. As yeah, well. I, this I, one I, just I, does not speak to me. I don't have a lot of defense necessarily for what you're saying beyond just like I think there's a gleeful charm of like yeah, it's kind of like Guillermo del Toro playing with his toys, but he's pretty good at it. And <laughs> like and this is the thing. I am not. I'm I'm going to lose some points here with people. Um, I am not. A, Guillermo del Toro guy like Tim loves Guillermo del Toro but you know the internet movie you know fandom world loves Guillermo del Toro and the only movies of Guillermo del Toro that I actually like is this and Mimic which are the two that Guillermo del Toro fans all kind of hate <laughs> like I really like Mimic I saw that one when it came out in theaters as well yeah I like Mimic right I like but Mimic I like I do like Pan's Labyrinth um I like Shape of Water I don't think I don't love it I don't know if it deserved best picture but I also don't remember what else came out, so. Um, but, yeah, as far as that I mean, I don't, goes, I, I, I don't really like anything else that I've seen. Like, I've seen a few of, I saw Crimson Peak. Crimson I didn't Peak, like that. Crimson Peak is god-awful. I think that movie's trash. I didn't enjoy <laughs> watching. I, I didn't even finish watching the one about the tooth fairies. Like, I think it's like, Are You Afraid of the Dark or something? I, I didn't even no, he didn't, he didn't that. direct that. He didn't direct that. Oh, okay. Well then, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> it looked very Tel Toro like. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he might have like produced it or something like that, but he didn't direct it. Um, okay. Yeah, no, no. I what I was saying is that I I like the two that people who are fans of Del Toro typically don't like as much because they're more just kind of like surface level, like fun mainstream things, which is Mimic, which is just this kind of aliens knockoff, and then there's Pacific Rim, which is this big you know dumb blockbuster movie. Like, I kind of like those ones because he's a competent filmmaker. Um, for some reason, I, I think Del Toro seems like a nice enough guy. Like, I think I could sit and talk to him about movies like all night. He seems like a really charming mm -hmm. guy who loves what he loves. And he knows movies, yeah. But for some reason, like, there's something about just his choice and his style and the the, the, the worlds that he likes to create. Like, I, I did not like Shape of Water. Um, I, I don't hate Pan's Labyrinth, but I didn't get a whole lot out of it. Um, you know, the Crimson Peak I hated uh what else has he done i don't know like uh, just about the hell these hellboy movies i didn't like um oh, I, I enjoy the hellboy I, movies. I like the second one a lot actually um so i, I don't know I, i'm just i'm not a big del toro guy so when i, I went I, into this i like his look like i like the look of his films a lot i think he's got a really interesting unique style and i i enjoy it i don't think it comes through in this movie at all i really wish i got to see his version of the hobbit but he bailed on it but because i think that his style would have fit a film like that quite well sure um i'm not super big on his style i, I think it's not actually the, the main reason why i dislike his films but it, 
It's more just the tone he has that goes along with that style that I'm not super into. I, I, it feels kind of like this hollow fantasy to me, and I, I'm not a big fantasy guy, admittedly. Like this is something that I just it, this, this is something that is consistent with me across just my taste is that I'm just not a big fantasy person in general. And Del Toro feels like he really taps into like the fantasy side of of I don't know storytelling. So well, okay, I I don't know. I think hollow is a bit harsh for his films but. well it feels hollow to me because I, I find fantasy generally speaking quite hollow i i just find that genre pretty hollow but it's a taste thing like i admit that's a, that's a subjective taste thing but yeah i mean well like in pan's labyrinth is it's a like he's using fantasy as a as an allegory for like the spanish civil war or something like everybody represents something like the the guy with the with the hands is representing like the catholic church and their participa- participation during the C- spanish civil war and stuff like that but i mean it's it, i don't really like fantasy either i love sci-fi but it's very different <laughs> that's very different i agree it's very different but you know if you if you're using it as a as like an allegory much like people do with science fiction all the time i can definitely get into that um so I don't know. I wouldn't say that his use of fantasy is hollow, but <clears throat> as opposed to like, I don't know. I don't even know what, I don't watch fantasy. I don't know what to think of, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, I- I'm not anti Guillermo del Toro. I haven't really liked a lot of his newer stuff, Um, but I, yeah, he's hit or miss for me. Yeah, I, I just, it's just, I don't jive with him for whatever reason. I've just never jived with all the films that everyone loves from his, from his back catalogue. You know, I watched Kronos, I didn't really get into it. Um, I actually started The Devil's Backbone and just kind of gave up halfway through because I realised I just, I didn't care. I just didn't care about it. Um, and I appreciate what he's, and it's funny is that I've, I see other filmmakers who are kind of like tangential to him, where they're kind of cool, there's some overlap, but something about how they write their characters just works for me better than what Del Toro does. I just don't think I get much out of Del Toro's characters. And truthfully, that's kind of true in this movie as well. Um, but I think what, what works with a movie like this is that the characters aren't really necessarily the point of the film quite in the, to the same extent. The problem with Charlie Hunnam's character is that Charlie Hunnam uh, has the charisma of a, a wet potato. And as a result, uh, he's just kind of like sucking the energy out of like... There's, the, there's so many like, little lines of dialogue he has in this that are just kind of like... They sound like these little one-liner moments, but they're not one-liners. They're they sound like some. And it's funny because obviously there's obvious comparisons to make with Power Rangers for for obvious mm-hmm. reasons. And there's a lot of little moments in this where he'll shout something uh, to his like co-pilot or something. He's like, you know, we got this. Now power up. Or and it just it sounds like the sort of thing when it would cut to one of the Power Rangers when they're doing a pose and they just say something like, like while all, all five of you saying something one after the other that means nothing. Like, it, but he does that in this movie. Um. What helps some of the other characters, though, is when you've, just, when you've got Idris Elba in a role of authority, okay, you buy this because he's Idris Elba and he's he's given it his... Maybe not his all, but he's, you know, he's, he's got the natural charisma. He's got the best line in the whole movie. Tonight we're a cancel in the apocalypse. Yeah, it's in the trailer. I don't, I don't have to hate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he, he uh, you know he's he's got a, a lot of presence uh, and I think that's, that's fine. Um, but yeah. I think, yeah, something about the Taurus characters just don't really uh, hit for me. And it's just, it's true across his better films, his weaker films, it's just something that's there. Uh, but here, I don't think it's as big of a problem because it's notable that everything that I don't like about the characters that much, or I'm not as interested with the characters, it fades away in the back half because in the back half of the film, once everything gets going, it's all about the the robots and the monsters. It's all about that stuff. It's all about the the visuals and i was actually watching this in 4k with hdr and holy shit the the, the colorful like palette of this film it's uh, a very colorful film. yeah the, the colors yeah. coming from the mouths of the kaiju or the reactors the the, the jaegers everything in the hong kong section like because of all the the neon lights is just i'm surprised like i mean have, haven't they been fighting kaiju for like almost a decade there's still buildings at all <laughs> Well, that's, that's actually one of the things that I really liked about the Hong Kong section is the idea that you can see like parts of the city that have been built over like the skeleton mm. of a of a fallen kaiju. Um, I guess the idea is is that you know like, there's 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 only so many kaiju where 
most of the big cities have maybe only had one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what surprised me more, though, is in the opening of the film, in the 2020 section, is that there's a civilian boat and near where like, the kaiju pops out. And all I could think was, wait, kaiju, like, relatively often pop up in this part of the world. Like, why would there be any boats using the Pacific Ocean at this point? Like, I almost gotta feel get like- that crab. I just, I almost feel like if, if if you expect giant monsters to come out of the Pacific Ocean, like you you would just you would go through the mainland and use the Atlantic and then go through wonder, the land on the other side. I wonder if it was because the um that Discovery Channel show about the the dangerous world's most dangerous job or something. Mm. I can't remember, but it was like such a big thing that they wanted to include that on here, like the world's uh? most dangerous job. And then you get the actual most dangerous job, which I guess would be operating a Gaker. They need to be protected. Yes. Uh, that's just one of the interesting things about the movie. Uh, that really surprised catch. me, surprised me the first time I watched it is that the movie kind of like, you'd almost expect the movie, the first movie in this franchise to be like the, the initial contact and like the building of the first Jaegers. But the movie actually kind of does that in a montage in the opening two minutes <laughs> as it's like yeah. explaining the backstory. I think it's actually really interesting and maybe even slightly ballsy that it decides, no, no, this is about the end of the war. This is about how they mm-hmm. finish. And obviously, yes, there's a sequel, so obviously there's there's potential for more and, and things. But um, one of my favorite things about the, the feeling of the movie, especially once you get into the back half, is you do kind of feel like, yeah, they've only got a few of these Jaegers left. It feels like they're kind of like getting beaten left and right. And like, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like they're that powerful. It feels like they're just barely scraping by and they're really at the, the, the wit's end. And I, I, I always get that feeling in the back half of this. So it makes me kind of root for the success a bit more and makes it feel a bit more, I don't know, thrilling, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word. I don't know why I need a better word. Thrilling is a pretty good word. So, I suppose. Um... I don't know why I was so disconnected from it, but I just I I don't I don't really get into the action scenes. I find I think they're just too long, or something. I, I really mm. check out. Uh, I mean I can't really just debate there. I, I disagree that they're too long. I've definitely felt that in other movies. I didn't feel it here. Uh, I guess if Ron Perlman with his really shiny shoes doesn't win you over, then I don't know. But like he's well. he's actually probably the most interesting character in the movie. <laughs> Like, I don't mind him so much because uh, it gives me something to, like, like, what's this now? This is unusual. <laughs> There's a lot of mythology packed into the movie, a lot of ideas about what this mm-hmm. world, how it functions now because of the kaiju. Because uh, his character, of course, is this black market dealer who, like, deals in, like, selling the, you know, the, the various parts of the kaiju that he's stolen, like, you know, the meat, the, the, the blood, the, the brain... Even the shit he mentions is really good for fertilization. You can do a whole farm. A whole field can get fertilized with one little sprinkle It's interesting of the to shit. know that kaiju have to poop. <laughs> mm. Yeah, where's the Jeff Goldblum scene in Godzilla where someone finds his pile of shit and is like, that's one great big pile of shit. Maybe in the next one. You shook your head at me as if I was like being such a juvenile little shit for making that joke. <laughs> that was a quality joke. We'll let the people decide. Well, I always say it's a quality joke. It's not that funny, but it's a quality reference, I guess is what I'm, I should say. I will not I will not be lampooned for making a reference to Jurassic freaking Park. <laughs> is that just an automatic free pass? I mentioned yeah. Jeff Goldblum and Jurassic Park. There's no, there's no bad references to Jurassic Park. Uh, you may have a point. Don't exist. I retract uh, my head shake. By Monday, I'll be accepting your apology. <laughs> See? Also Jurassic Park. That's not the exact line, but it's more or less what Hammond says to the lawyer uh, before they see the dinosaurs. Uh, yeah, okay, we can, we can start working through the movie then um, and talk about some of the, the details, the deets, if, if you will. Is that what the kids call them these days? Uh, but I will take this time to thank our Patreon producer. You can shake your head at me for that because I'm a little bit ashamed of what I, I just mean, said. I, I'm, it's more like a I don't know shake. Yeah. Uh, I'll accept that either way, to be honest. It was deserving that time. Uh, but I'll thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Sandy Palacios, David Short, Bordnow, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, Brett Williams, and David Brown. They are Patreon producers, meaning that they are $20 or more. 
over at patreon.com slash TV. Why no? Um, if you'd like to check out our Patreon page, it's patreon.com slash TV. Why, 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 why did you say why no still? <laughs> it's it's part of my script. But I, I thought, you know what, I'll throw her but not give another cue. I'll just sort of let it, I'll just, like, no, I'll just let her jump in. As if, as if, you know, I'll, we'll start the training so you can just naturally swipe in without me going, and yeah, way to cut you. me off, throw off my natural rhythm. It's just what it is. It's because you started, and I just sort of like didn't think about it, and then a second later, I realized you still said, "Why no?" I'm like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> I, I never asked the question." <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, please check out our Patreon page. It's Patreon.com/MalfoysTV, and if you donate as low as one dollar per month, you will get access to bonus episodes of the Ace that are not available on YouTube. You can check out your favorite B-movies that we review, including The Trancer Saga, um, Free Jack, Time Cop, Judge Dredd, all sorts of Mystery Science Theater adjacent films. Um, please check that out for, for $1 a month. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the one warning is that we, we try su- such, you know, Z-level movies that... <laughs> There's a couple that have turned out to be really bad episodes because there's like almost nothing. But you we get can to talk learn about. a lot about us in those episodes. True, but no, what I'm saying is though is that there's a couple that turned out really bad. But then for everyone that turned out bad, there's a Your Hunter from the Future or a Rotor, <laughs> which are delightful discussions <laughs> about movies that are at that level. So, you know, there's a balancing act there. Let's watch Rotor again. <laughs> That's a good movie. Do you know, the only scene that pops out in my head when you say Rotor is him standing at in the diner and someone trying to eat, like, kung fu him. Just randomly. <laughs> just like, this I random like the, um, character. I like the uh, the demonstration to, like, the executives of Rotor. And it's just, like, this stop-motion robot dancing with all this <laughs> disco lighting behind him. <laughs> See, this is why you should go, go to Patreon and spend the dollar. In fact, one thing that I always like to emphasize is that if you do support us for a dollar on patreon uh that is more than we would make from you watching every single video we put on the channel a month so uh well we put out a lot of stuff yeah so you know i'm saying one dollar is a lot but that's it if you can't just hit the like button liking is super important and it'll help us find more audience members uh so there's all the, the pitching <laughs> to the middle um and i want to make clear i said pitching not bitching i just i realize it sounds similar uh, <laughs> Thank you for that. Um. Anyway, yeah, specific rim spoilers. No spoilers for for uh, Idris Elba and his adoptive daughter, who is going to be rough compatible with Charlie Hunnam because he can't go with his brother anymore because his brother got daddy. Are you doing like a whole summary? <laughs> I don't know. I just. I, I Can started I do this some... really quickly because I'm all for that. I started somewhere and went back. Um, <laughs> so, yes, I get it. You don't like the movie that much. I, I know, but we have to give the same attention to every film that we do. Okay. For the integrity of this endeavor. Okay. I think that's important. You do okay. You do your thing now. My thing. Okay, uh, Tara, tell them about the intro. I don't remember. <laughs> okay, That's not well, my thing. That's your thing. So a- <laughs> I do the Patreon pick, and then I give very concise thoughts about how I felt about a scene, and then we move on. <laughs> and you do the rest. So there's a lot of mythology at the start in the uh, explanation. Some things that are quite interesting. One is that these pilots for the Jaegers are treated like rock stars because they're kind of the heroes now of like everyone. Um... Because they're saving people. Because uh, uh, one of the details that I like is they mentioned that the first kaiju, they, they did take it down with like tanks and planes and stuff, but it took like a week to kill. And like thousands of people died in the, in the chaos, you know, the, 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 in that time that it took to actually kill the thing. So I was like, uh, okay, so that's why we have to come up with some new method. Wouldn't it have been cool if it was Godzilla? You can't you can't start with Godzilla because that, that means all these kaiju that are coming later that are generic looking are technically better than Godzilla. I don't know if I can jive with that. That's true. I don't know if I can jive with that. Especially but it would have been like 
remember in Tokyo <laughs> when this happened and it took I, a week to kill. I mean, if they allude to it without ever showing them, it's like, yes, it was in Tokyo. There was the giant one that was kind of lizardy. We didn't have cameras back then in, in 2011. <laughs> <laughs> um. But uh, but we find out that it, like it takes too much uh, of your brain to like run the Jaeger, so it has to be two pilots who are linked up in what's called the drift, where their minds are connected, and that's how they they pilot the the, the ships. Which you know it's there for a, a couple of dramatic reasons. The one thing, of course, is that it makes it more difficult. Edit you have all these characters who have to bond, and um, it does bizarrely like have to kind of also be cheated a little bit towards the end when. Uh, Idris Elba is going to team with the Australian guy, and it's like, wait, don't, don't they have to like be compatible? Like, how is this going to work? And they kind of just tried to like give you a quick reason as to why this will be okay. It's okay because <laughs> Idris Elba's good at this. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> just roll with it. Just roll with it. He has respect for his father, so that's why. Yes. <laughs> uh, but so we get these ideas and the the the, the, the like all this stuff's introduced before we meet Charlie Hunnam and his brother. He get called out. They saved the fishing boat, but uh, the the Jaeger, or sorry, the the kaiju rips off an arm and then rips the brother out, and Charlie Hunnam like pilots it back to shore on his own. He does he, he does kill the, the kaiju first though. He single handedly mm-hmm. kills kills the kaiju with his uh his uh, arm blast thingamajig on the Jaeger. Uh, Gypsy Danger, I believe, is the title of the. They all have names. Yeah. And Tara will get a bonus point if she can name me one other Jaeger. <laughs> well, I, uh, Crimson Typhoon. That's good. I actually couldn't remember any. I was just hoping that if he said one that was right, I would like, oh, yes, that sounds familiar. Because <laughs> it's close to Crimson Tide, which is a movie I love. <laughs> Tara's like, can I uh, redirect this conversation over to uh, Crimson Tide? Uh, is Let's that talk possible? about Tony Scott and his relationship with Denzel. <laughs> We, we, we're going to have a bonus thing for patrons later this month that is just us talking about a Tony Scott movie. With Denzel yes. Washington in it, With no Denzel. Less. <laughs> that was the vote. Yes. Guess who asked for that one? <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, uh, the, the premium vote, the $10 tier, which is usually Streams versus Ace, because Tim's going on paternity leave, it has to change. And I had to like, well, by the way, Tara, we're always going to have to do that one because like Tim's going to be gone for a while. Uh, but I sweetened the deal by offering her Tony Scott and Denzel Washington. Yep. <laughs> Sugarcoated the whole thing. It's easy enough. Um, but yeah, but obviously the, the the main movie comes into it when we're right at the end of the war. It's twenty twenty five, and Charlie Hunnam gets recruited to go and like be this last group of Jaeger pilots because there's one final assault that they're going to try and do to, to close the rift. Which, you know, they do mention repeatedly throughout the movie that they've tried it multiple times. Like, they, you know, they've, mm-hmm. they've done this before and it's not worked. And Hunnam's, like, brings this up. So why why are we doing this again? Like, we, we have tried this. It never, they never you know, it bounces stuff off. Do you know what's so funny? Is I actually talked to, the, about, to Connor about this movie before the second one came out and I'd forgotten I'd done that. And the reason why I remembered it was because... In the last like fifteen minutes of the movie, I had a thought, and I had that thought the last time I watched it, and I spoke about it, and I, that was why I remembered. Oh, I, wait, I've talked about this movie already. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> because there was a moment towards the end where I'm like, you know what? There's a lot of odd parallels with Independence Day. Uh, this is very Independence yeah. Day. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. I, I mean, I saw it. Not just because he makes a speech, which is obviously like you know correlate to the you know today we celebrate our Independence Day speech. Um, I do think tonight we're cancelling the apocalypse as a cooler ring to it, but you know, just me. Um, That's because you're not American. But, you guys are a little bit bitter about the whole independence thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, I I care so deeply. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Technically, you're Canadian. So what are you talking about? I'm an American, not proud, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a closeted American. Um, I'm both. So, yeah. whatever I want to be. This week I want to be Canadian, though. <laughs> is, that because, is that because you saw <laughs> Kanye on the ballot and thought, "Oh no, 
Kanye on the ballot. So embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so now all the Independence Day parallels, like, you have someone who, you know, we're, we're in spoilers here, uh, if I didn't meant to make that clear. Uh, but, you know, we have someone who has to sacrifice himself. We have, like, there's a moment where, like, when Hunnam goes in to, like, drop off the, the Jaeger to blow up, to, like, close the rift, where he sees, like, one of the real aliens. Because, the you know, the, the, the kaiju are kind of, like, made. They're kind of, like, bioweapons that are made by this alien race. And there's a moment where he kind of looks at and I don't, uh, Does he give him the finger? No, but... It's, I really wanted the Jaeger to do it because it would just be like, of course it would be there. Yeah, but no, I was, was just. Uh, <laughs> I was glad that I didn't see it, but at the same time, like, well, yeah. I was, I was expecting it. It's just it's the way Harlem kind of looks at the alien, kind of uh, before he leaves. It reminded me a lot of Independence Day when Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum sort of like go, "Hey!" is before they. Well, even the aliens kind of look like them. <laughs> a yeah. little bit. There's a, there's a lot of Independence Day. Uh, there's in also a bit of Top Gun in here. Sure, the whole yeah. like rivalry with the other pilot is very like Maverick versus Iceman. It's very one note as well. I wasn't a big fan because that Australian guy, whenever he was like a dick to him, it was like he just out of nowhere. He's just he's just a grade A dick for no reason. Yeah. Until respect. Until until the respect because <laughs> Hunnam saves his. Because that's the thing, uh, Hunnam and uh, uh, Mako like or is that is that how you pronounce her name? Yeah, Mako, uh, Mako Mori. Uh, she, like, obviously is the surrogate daughter of Idris Elba, who he kind of, like, adopted after she was, like, left, you know, an orphan. Uh, we get a flashback, of course. That's actually maybe the most interesting case for the drift technology, is that it lets someone else see someone's flashback. I thought that was an mm-hmm. interesting mechanic that probably could have been explored a little bit more. But um, I did uh, appreciate the idea that we get to see this sort of angelic moment, almost, where Idris Elba steps out of the Jaeger and there's the, the sunlight's behind him. It's, like, intentionally the most, like, cinematic moment you could have but i'm not complaining he, he about did that. look majestic yeah yeah i'm not complaining about that because it happens again because one of the things that happens is that they have been grounded they're not allowed to go out in the jaeger because their first attempt to, to be you know drift compatible kind of went bad hence the flashback that uh, hunnam got to see but uh basically the the two kaiju that show up at the same time the first time there's ever been two at the one time they the three other jaegers go out and immediately like they start getting their asses kicked and then one of the the, the the kaiju has like an emp which like basically just disables all the jaegers and they're just like dead in the water they're screwed and you know hunnam's like hey gypsy danger is not you know digital it's analog it's nuclear we can we can still go out and fight so he's you know, idris elba's kind of backed into a corner where he has to let them go and fight and there's a moment where i don't necessarily buy that these like four helicopters can actually hold the weight of this damn thing because it's like you know it's this it's like a hundred foot tall like solid metal robot <laughs> maybe it's a lot more hollow than we think <laughs> i don't know see there's a shot early on in the opening where, where it looks down because their, their feet are on like these like sort of like platforms and when the camera looks down you see like all the big giant gears that it's turning as, as mm-hmm. it's like as their feet are moving so i'm not sure if i i buy that but but anyway what i was saying is though much like idris elba getting out the jaeger in the flashback uh, because of the lights of the helicopters, it kind of presents the Jaeger you know, flying through the air with like, this beam of light behind it, and it's kind of blinding it first, and it's like, no, the perfect silhouette, and then I'm like, you know, I appreciate the majesty that Del Toro put into his presentation here. Yeah, sure. I, I just remember seeing a lot of these same shot of, like, well, it's a shot that's just presented the same way every single time of, like, the the ants view looking up at the Jaeger as it slowly rises and like ready to fight. <laughs> I get it. It's like a hero shot over and over and over again. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Every time it does the pose, I'm a, I'm a little bit happy about it. <laughs> I'm a little bit happy about it. No, I, do you know what it is? I, do you know what I think it sums it up. I think because this, this Hong Kong fight, you know, between the first one in the water, who's kind of more beefy and it ends up in the sort of shipping yard with the, the containers and that. And then it's the the one that grows the wings, and it's like and that's the one that's actually in the middle of the city and all the neon I like lights. The part, I like when it has the reveal that there is wings. I'm like, okay, this feels threatening. Yeah. <laughs> um. Did you like the uh, the joke sort of moment where like the, the 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 arm goes through the building and just taps the the, the desk with the the balls? No. <laughs> no, didn't like that. <laughs> I'm conflicted. I don't know if I like it or not. I, I go back and forth. I go back and it's forth. It's okay that you like this movie. I. It no, was... I go back and forth in that moment because the the moment I'm I'm coming up to here that I want to talk about that I think whether you like or hate this movie is a is this moment right? It's this your opinion on this moment, 
And it's the moment where uh, Mako goes, no, we have one weapon. Because the, the, the flying ones like, basically yeah. lift them out of space. And <laughs> Mako says, we have one weapon left. And she has a button that says sword. <laughs> and this like chain sort of like thing comes out and then like sort of like solidifies into like a sword. And then they use that to stab it. So me, I, in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, mega sword power now, bitch. Like that's my thought process. <laughs> And then it's falling through the sky, and you have to hit the thrusters so you don't like die on impact, and the lad in the baseball field, and, or whatever it is. I, I mean, I like the, I like that it when it came down, it came down like a yeah. meteor, like it was definitely very threatening. Uh, I don't think there's any way they would have actually survived that impact, but um, but to be fair, I like the visual. There's, there's no way they'd survive anything happening in this movie. I think we just have yeah. to let that go. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I will say the one thing that hurts the movie a little bit in terms of the action, even though I still like a lot of stuff that happens afterwards, uh, aside from the fact it's a bit too close to Independence Day, is that because it all takes place underwater, it's a little bit awkward to see. So it makes the Hong Kong fight, I think, the, the easy highlight of the movie. That's this like fifteen twenty minute section of the Hong Kong fight between both like monsters is mm-hmm. easily this is this is the best part. This is the part that we all well not we all love. Tara clearly isn't as hot on it, but those of us who like the movie, this is the part that we all love. This is the part that just I nails mean, it. Does Charlie Hunnam's character really not know that they have a sword on Gypsy Danger? <laughs> There's a big sword button. It's, it's, it's an improved feature that's been added because he's, this is the first time he's been fighting in this, you know, since <laughs> his brother died. But they share a mind. Like, when, why would it be a surprise? Because she's not been thinking about it. <laughs> she's not thinking about it constantly she's not thinking the whole time oh i can't wait to use the sword i'm so excited about the sword i think it's interesting that they even have to like speak to each other if they're sharing one mind that's just for the audience yeah. <laughs> that's just called what it is that's just for the audience <laughs> look i'm not saying this isn't kind of cheesy and it's not got it's like tropes and cliches and all these yeah. things it does but it, i think it's wearing what it is on its sleeve it's not trying to pretend to be anything that isn't I understand, and I—I I, I mean, there are plenty of blockbuster movies that I will apologize for, but uh, yeah, the I don't know. Po- I, I just do not connect to this one. Yeah, the cinema police are coming for Tara. I could hear them in the background there. <laughs> Going to bust on the door. I live like... pretty close to like a senior citizen community, so there's always ambulances. <laughs> <laughs> They're dropping like flies. I think they just fall a lot or something. I don't know. Uh, I probably shouldn't be making jokes like that in 2020, given that. There's actually reasons why a lot lots of people are maybe getting ill and dying, but uh, yeah. it was met in good faith, I, I promise. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, we should probably talk about Charlie Hunnam's like thing. Uh, it, it's actually a very important part for the sequel, to be honest, this plot point, but uh, he basically decides that he's, he's a bit of a fanboy, he loves kaiju, and he wants to like drift with like the, the, the brain that he's got of a kaiju. Oh, Charlie Day. Did you I said say Hunnam? Hunnam? Sorry, yeah. sorry. Slip. Obvious. I mean, it's obvious why I made the slip, because it's two Charlies. Right. Uh, yeah, Charlie Day, the wild card. <laughs> and he is a wild card in this. Um, he, uh, you know, he, he merges with the, the kaiju brain, and it's actually Ron Perlman who, like, w- you know, once he kind of, like, meets him and hears what he's going to do, he's like, wait, you idiot. Like, the drift's a two-way street. If you could see into their mind, they could see into yours. So it, it kind of makes him this, this target. Uh, where the the flying kaiju he's not flying yet admittedly but the flying kaiju is trying to get to him and it's only obviously once the the Jaeger shows up with the the, the big ship uh, as a bat uh, that he he gets interrupted in his pursuit of Charlie Day Mm -hmm. but I like like the idea of the the drifting with the kaiju and kind of the the fallout of that getting Uh, the window into the mind of the enemy where they come from it sort of reminds me of Edge of Tomorrow, or which I think the, was after this, right? Or or it's the president scene from Independence Day. That's true. <laughs> and Area 51. Just to yeah, keep that going. Right. <laughs> hey, I'll say this. I think this is better than Independence Day. I don't know if that's controversial. We, we reviewed Independence Day already. We you know we said it's kind of I not mean, held Independence up as much. Independence Day is an example of a dumb action blockbuster that I still kind of like. It's very watchable. I think I think nostalgia saves that more than anything else because it's not that good. I mean, you're right. This this might be better, and, and I just have nostalgia for that one, so I'll stand I mean, I will, by it. 
I will Not, say that I won't die for it, but yeah, you know. Overall, I depends. It does have a better cast because it has Goldblum and Will Smith, and it has uh, Bill Pullman. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it does have a better cast for sure. Um, but you know, it. Uh, this movie, I, I think, just is cooler. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really it's a really hollow thing to say about a movie it is it's, it's not like a great like thing to say about it but it, it, you know it's, 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 uh, I kind of I dig the uh, I, I, one thing I do like about the underwater section though is the setting off the nuke underwater because I, I do kind of love the visual of like the, the bubble of air because of the blast like you know throwing all the water I, I, I have mm-hmm. no idea if, if this is even in the realm of scientifically accurate if this would actually happen with all the water, like basically, there's, there's, there's like a like a five second window where the Gypsy Danger is just sort of in air, and there's like flesh flapping around, and then the water comes back, obviously, because it comes back down. Uh, mm-hmm. But I like the visual of that. <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's all right. It's um, <laughs> uh, these these fight scenes are like, <laughs> uh. What can I compare him to? I get it. It's, it's tough. It's tough to, this is a tough conversation because I like it, but it's also not like a super deep movie where I can sort of talk about why, oh, this is you know, the, the themes that it's hitting and this is why it's like speaking to me in this way. But at the same time, you don't like it, but it's also kind of a... Sh- like we, we both like and dislike it for relatively simple, shallow reasons, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So there's not much of a debate. It's just kind of... I think the power sword is kind of cool. And you're like, this is kind of stupid and lame. <laughs> what are you, 12? <laughs> yeah, those are basically all my arguments. <laughs> um, I, no, I'll stick off with the visuals. I, I do think the bright, colourful nature of the film, I, I think especially watching it in HDR for the first time today, uh, I do think it pops. Like, it really pops. They it just, looks I, good. The, the fights are just so, like... I mean, they just go through all, they go all over the city <laughs> and it just reminds me of like a, the end boss battle of like, um, like Batman v Superman or like Man of Steel <gasps> or something where it's just like this big thing happening in a hugely populated city where Actually, <laughs> but the whole, sure, every fight is like that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've said this before. But I'm pretty sure there is far less destruction of the city in this than there was in Man of Steel, which is, I think, funny to point out because this is giant monsters and giant robots. And I think Superman and Zod, there's far more collateral damage and casualties in that movie than this. I, I promise you. <laughs> I think there's there's too many battles. By the end, by the end of Man of Steel, there's literally a miles wide crater where a city used to be. <laughs> There's yeah. just nothing left standing. Here, there's the odd building with a bit, ch- you know, cut out of it. <laughs> like it's not. It's well, not I mean, it slams such... through a building to to get to you know sneak up on Gypsy Danger at one point. I, one, one. <laughs> destroys a building. One building. Okay, I I I can't think. I'm sure that there's more. <laughs> just one <laughs> with collateral damage. I like the detail when he grabbed the, when Gypsy Danger grabbed the. Um, the shipping containers that there was mm-hmm. stuff in them that was falling out when he hit her or yeah. when he hit the kaiju. Oh, I called it her. Oh, she's pregnant her. actually, so I guess it works out. No, is it not the other one that's pregnant? Was it the flying one that was pregnant? Not really matters, but the one that gets chopped one. in half. No, I don't think so. Because the chopped in half one is the one that it has with the shipping containers. So it, yeah, that can't be the pregnant one because the pregnant one they have to put on like suits, like hazmat suits, and go inside. Uh, uh, that, the one know? that was after Charlie Day is the one that was pregnant. Yeah, so that's not the one that gets with the shipping containers. The shipping containers is the the beefier one that was a bit more. I I, I guess he was the more King Kong shaped kind of kaiju. Uh, oh, they had broad shoulders. Yeah, and, and and body, not the head. The head was just you know whatever weird head that it had. Um. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't really think that there's a lot of monsters that look like these. Like I, I think the ones in Kong Skull Island look very similar um, or like the Cloverfield monster no, looks kind of similar. There's like a design that just movies have been using over a decade. Or I don't, I'm just kind of bored of it. I don't disagree necessarily. I just I disagreed with them not being distinct because I think the two monsters here are very distinct from the other ones in the movie. So I do well, think one flies, but like 
and the other one's a bit beefier. Yeah, and the but, one in the beginning has like a sword head, but that's yeah. about it. No, they have similar aesthetics. Like, I, I don't disagree with that, but I do think they're distinct enough in the movie where I could tell them apart. Um, but I, I, I don't disagree with the notion that there's kind of a similarity to this and then, say, monsters in, I don't know, look, other things. <laughs> I don't have any examples. Mm -hmm. But no, I, I get that it feels familiar. Like, I'm not disagreeing with that. Um, but, yeah. Maybe it's just because I've seen it a few times, but I, 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 did, I do tend to notice the differences between them a bit more now. Um, but I, I will say it is a little bit frustrating that they introduce like these four distinct Jaegers and two of them just get wiped out like almost immediately as soon as they go. I'm like, ah, I could have done with a few more scenes of the three-armed Jaeger or the, the big Russian tanky one that mm -hmm. is like, yes. Was it, I think it was called like the turtle or something. Yeah, that sounds about right. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, or even the fact that their helmets, the helmets that the, the two Russians had, what did they remind me of? Uh -uh. Um, the Russians from from uh, Rocky Four. No, 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 dies, no, 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 no. They're, fa they're fancy sci-fi helmets. Uh, it reminded <laughs> me of like a, I think it's like a specific video game that reminded me of. I can't. Remember. I don't know. I, I'm talking about their bleached hair. <laughs> they looked very much like uh, like Drag well, Ivan Drago well, and his wife in that movie. That that goes back to it being a very pulpy kind of cheesy movie. It's like you know, like there's a reason why when they're we're introducing these characters. When they walk on the screen, you can hear the sort of like the rushing chanting yeah. as as they're walking by in their gruff kind of like, <laughs> we're Russian, yes. Uh, you know, it's, it's it, again, it's it's not. It knows what it is. It's it's mm -hmm. it's being pulpy and silly and having fun with it. And I don't think it all lands. And I, 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 you know, I will admit, I, I think the stuff with uh with Marco and Hunnam early on and like the whole drama, of, like will she be allowed to be pilot a Jaeger and why Idris is kind of like refusing. I, I did I did find that a bit more tedious this time. And it, it, it's this thing where once the Hong Kong stuff starts, it's kind of really fun from that point on for me. Uh, but the, the first half does have some issues with the, the human characters uh, going back and forth. Um, yeah, after I remember watching it the first time and thinking that I really did not like the dialogue or the, the, the chemistry between everyone. Mm -hmm. Like, some, I really did not like the people in the movie after I saw it the first time. There's some dodgy dialogue. In fact, I think this because the second film's not like the second film arguably is weaker in some ways, but I think I prefer it because I like the characters a lot more. So I'll be interested to see how if I feel like that holds up and see how you feel about it when we sure. when we see it. I mean, I like John Boyega. He's got a lot of charisma. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a there's a teen girl who kind of steals the show a little bit uh, in the second one, and then some of the other characters are back. They do overuse it now. They overuse this a lot in the movie. But that said, though, I do think it has a pretty cool main theme. The, uh... In the music, I mean. Yeah, it's alright. Because you know? one of the things the sequel does is that it actually holds it back for so long. You don't hear it at all in the sequel until very late on. Uh, and it's quite impactful when it uses it. So, um... I, I do think the first movie overuses it far too much. But it is a pretty good main theme. Uh, so, you know. Uh, but it, it does kind of wave it around a little bit too Who's much. Who's the composer? Joe, I think it is. I just don't remember who. I'll, I'll check. I'll check as you give some thoughts on other things. <laughs> um, sure. I'm, I'm sorry. Is that throwing you under the bus? Are you not prepared? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah, the, the main theme is fine. Um, I was, I was kind of hoping that it would give me a little bit more um, emotion like music usually does mm -hmm. for me to get me into the movie. I don't know. I know I'm so disconnected from this film. I know I'm in the minority. I know a lot of people love this film. And a lot of people I respect. I, 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 I mean, I not you, obviously. But... <laughs> how, how dare you? That sounds like a weird thing to correct you on, but I actually think you're wrong about being in the minority. I, I think this one's more 50-50. I, I think there's a lot of people who hate this movie, especially on the internet. I love this composer, actually. Um... I'm mixed on the composer. Um, I, I'm not like super into some of his other, even though his main theme for Westworld is really good. But it's great. But uh, the, was... the stuff he did in the later seasons of Game of Thrones, especially, are like is so beautiful. I went and saw him at the Hollywood Bowl do like a Game of Thrones thing, and he did the main theme, um, theme for Westworld also while he was there. Was much, great. much like the majority of the Marvel movies, his score for Iron Man is really lackluster. I think, but I mean that's open to taste perhaps 
Um, He's doing the Eternals. Yeah. I feel nothing for that movie yet because it's like I have no idea what the Eternals are. Well, but... all I know is that um, Kumail Nanjiani got super built for that movie, and I, I just have to watch it. I have... Well, hi. He got super built, <laughs> and then everything got delayed because of pandemic, and now he has to maintain that shape for <laughs> for for a lot longer than he probably originally intended to. That thought. that will always pro- probably be the most impressive thing about this movie is that they turn <laughs> Kumail Nanjiani into like a heartthrob, <laughs> like a beefcake. Yeah, yeah. He was trying to say, "Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be all beefy for like three months, and then I'll go back to eating donuts, and it'll be great." And then, like, no, you're going to have to keep this shape there for the next year of your life. Like, oh, no, but right. I want to eat junk food. I will appreciate that the, the two of them don't kiss at the end. Uh, you know, we have this big moment where she jettisons out. The, you know, because they, they've got this nuke on on the fancy Jaeger that the, uh, the other two are driving, but they have to, they, they get damaged, they can't jump in the rift, so they detonate to clear a path, and they're going to use, you know, the Chekhov's nuclear reactor that is Gypsy Danger to <laughs> to, to to blow up instead, uh, and Mako just ejects immediately. Essentially, um, well, she's lost like oxygen, so yeah. Hanum gives her his oxygen and then ejects her. Yeah, so then he she, sort of she doesn't seem to be ball, she doesn't like make the decision to eject. He doesn't. No, more. no, yeah, um, and they've got these pods that go up. Um, and I think what's interesting about this, I mean, I mean, maybe they installed them because they were specifically like refitting them for this mission. Because admittedly, from the moment he he goes and gets Charlie Hunnam at the start, Idris Elba's like, no, we've got a plan, we've got a plan. And the whole movie too, and I kind of like this actually, that the whole movie, the plan never really changes that much outside of like a couple of details about how to get in. It's mm-hmm. always about going down to the rift. So, because I was about to critique that maybe it's a bit weird that they have these like escape pods that are designed for like deep sea diving kind of levels of like safety. And I was like, nah, to be fair, the plan was always to go down to the rift. So it makes sense that there would be escape pods where, no, you're going to be at the surface of the seabed. Well, plus, once once Idris Elba puts his surrogate daughter up there, like, I'm sure he's like, okay, we're, there's going to be some pods. <laughs> there's going to be some safety pods, yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they get up, because the movie ends with them, obviously, in the water. And they, but they don't kiss it, because I was really worried that they were going to kiss the first time I watched this. And I was, I was really glad they did. No, but they kind of give them each other, like, the look, like, so we're romantic now, right? <laughs> they don't kiss but there's some embracing and there's there's some looks yeah but charlie hunnam's not in the sequel so is she in the sequel yeah she's there uh so oh, okay. so if if there was a romance uh it didn't last very long and she told them to get lost and that makes sense because again why would you be with someone with the charisma of a potato i mean i i don't know i don't think he's that bad we've definitely <laughs> seen a lot worse He's yeah, not the Philadelphia worse. Experiment guy. <laughs> or like anybody <laughs> from Wing Commander. <laughs> but I'm not, I don't know. I don't really like on him that much. I'll anyway. be honest. I, I actually, I had to think there what Wing Commander. I was like, what's Wing Commander? I was like, oh yeah, we did <laughs> we a movie. We reviewed it. Co- yeah. yeah, with Matthew Lillard and Freddie Prince Jr. and Saffron Burrows. Saffron Burrows, now that's, Saffron Burrows and Charlie Hunnam, they could be a great on-screen couple of blandness. Like both of them, are devoid of personality and charisma. I mean, he's he's trying in this film. I think he's. I don't think he's the worst. I think some of the line delivery is not great, but I think also just some of the dialogue that's been written is not great. So, it's. I'm not like a big Charlie Hunnam fan, though. Like, is anyone? I don't, really, I don't like Sons of Anarchy, and that's the only other thing I think I know him. It was in one of the, the, I think it was in the Guy Ritchie King Arthur movie, I want to say. Oh, I did see that. You know what? That movie's not bad. <laughs> what? Hey, we're all allowed our one, okay? Or one Guy Ritchie movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't I don't hate watching that movie. Oh, right, I saw okay. it in the theater and it was not terrible. Okay, I, I, shall, I shall judge. I shall judge. Um... <laughs> Uh, so I'm just trying to think if there was any other like, elements because we didn't go through it as much in order as we normally do um, and I think that's because I realised that you were getting really antsy at the thought of me going through the plot details and talking about them uh, in depth and what I thought about the mythology aspects yeah, of robots, various things. they fight monsters they use a ship as a bat uh, <laughs> at the end so the moves <laughs> go off <laughs> it's not a good movie <laughs> I mean, it's it's a step above Transformers to me. That's what it is. 
Um, I think that's incredibly harsh, but uh, <laughs> but that, that's fine. You know what? That's fine. That's fine. Um, I dig it. I was surprised when I saw it in theaters. Uh, I liked it when I saw it the last time. Um, and Connor liked it as well. So I think that was a very. If you want just like a positive review. Well, with some critiques. There was some critiques as well. We weren't just gushing over it, but if you want like a very agreeable, positive review, the Me and Cara review is the one to go for. Uh, this is the one with the the conflict. <laughs> I mean, most people I know love this movie. Um, but they're also like 12-year-old boys at heart. <laughs> Tara has 12-year-old boys who are friends. Confirmed. <laughs> I mean, uh, mentally, yes. <laughs> am I am I in the twelve-year-old mental category? Yes. Could you even say nah? You're more like fourteen. Nah, <laughs> you go with that joke. No, yes, like, just yes. Fine then. Fine, you know what I'll, you are. I'll remember that. I'll remember this when we're doing an artsy fartsy movie, and I'm dropping the I'm dropping the knowledge. Right, <laughs> that I'm a twelve-year-old mentally. <laughs> yes. Let's go. Let's go watch a twelve-year-old. I mean, sometimes I can do that too. Like I, I enjoy the Lego <laughs> games. I'll platinum them. <laughs> this, this was a review where Tara sits and makes fun of me for liking something juvenile. That's what this was. This is a very juvenile film. Yes, but it's not trying to pretend to be anything else. It's it's heart on its sleeve, mm-hmm. and I think it's kind of, you know, commendable for that. Like if you don't like it, I think you can at least agree. It's just being what it is, and like it's not, yeah. you know, it's it's not like when we see like a movie that's trying to be a bit more serious and it completely falls flat. And it's like, oh, you're just so incompetent that this ended up being something really shallow and hollow and whatever. This I don't think feels super shallow in the, in the sense that it's exactly as you know deep as it wants to be. So it's you know, and intentional shallow is always better than incompetent shallow. I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Is well, that fair? Is that fair? Okay. All right. Well, I'll put Tara out of her misery. What, rate Pacific Rim. Um, I don't like this film, but I see why people who are in like the target audience would would really like it, would enjoy it. So I'm gonna give it a five because I know I'm not the target audience. <laughs> well maybe but i don't i don't think it's the worst either like i think it is like watchable and Mm -hmm. i just it's just not for me it's it's a boy playing with toys (laughs) i don't enjoy it there's nothing there's no layers here there's nothing for me to to enjoy and even the the like check out charlie hottam hottam's hot bod moment is like well that was that was quick and now I'm not into the movie anymore. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that one's clearly there for like the moms that had to bring the kids, right? I don't like it in this analogy, you're a mom and I'm a kid. Like, what, what is this? <laughs> what is this? Just a little <sighs> something for the ladies. Uh-huh. Uh... Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, my, my score has been done a little bit. I'm actually going to go and give it a seven, uh, now. I think. Mm. I think it's a good movie. I think it's good at what it's trying to be. It does have faults and stuff that stops from being even better, but uh, I still think it's pretty solid. And I still, I still, you know, fun and have fun and pop at all the moments that I've popped at before. Uh, and you know, it's kind of stood the test of time a little bit because it's been seven years and it's had you know at least three viewings out of me now, and um, I still dig it. I still have fun with it. Um, so I I would say yeah Pacific Rim. Um, I do enjoy a lot of the world building, which we glossed over a bit in this. Um, mainly so Tara didn't want to kill me. Shut <laughs> <up>. <laughs> okay, all we right. Going, we've been doing this over an hour. Like, <laughs> what would another five minutes of world building explanation? What it? <laughs> I'm pretty sure there was a. A good five ten minute tangent on Guillermo del Toro in there, but all right, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It was a solid discussion with a lot of charm. I think. Okay. I think we're good. I think we're good. 
if you made it this far in the review, uh, put the put the phrase uh, "juvenile" into the into the comments, uh, and you can of course also check out Tara's post for the thumbnail, which she's going to do in three, two, one. No, your head's cut off. You have to lower it down. Oh. There you go. We have to do the same pose so that we're in whatever the rift is. Or okay. Well, maybe we should do something because it's kind of symmetrical. Maybe you should like have like one hand up to do the other one. I mean, I could just flip you, I suppose. But yeah, there you go. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. There you go. Stern face. And I'll do the opposite. It'll be symmetrical and it'll be delightful. Um, What's it called? We have to sync up. Yes, we have to. We have to enter the drift. Enter the drift and pilot this podcast. Um, yeah. So there you go. That is that is that is the show basically. That specific rim. Uh, I will tell you what is coming next time on the Atomic Cinema Experimente. Another uh, twenty twenty movie. There's another set in twenty twenty movie. Yes. Uh, not to be confused with films that came out in 2020. Although, admittedly, there weren't any. Yeah, I know. It's like, <laughs> the, the list is very short. Like, I mean, what, what's our options there? Like, Sonic? <laughs> Maybe, uh... There's that, actually, there's one coming out soon that I do what I do, so there will be a new 2020 really soon. Let's do it. Um, By Cronenberg. But not that Cronenberg. His son. <laughs> huh? Maybe good. I don't know if he's good or bad, but I've heard good things. Anyway, uh, next up is Real Steel, which is another very lighthearted robot, movie. Blo- robot blockbuster movie. Although this time starring Hugh Jackman, um, and uh, I believe Evangeline I... Lilly is in that movie as well. I have not seen this film, but I know a lot of people who love it. Well, we'll see if you agree or disagree with them uh, this mm-hmm. time. Uh, I will not reveal my opinion. I have seen it. Um, but I suspect yes. you'd like it. It's about <laughs> robots boxing. Just because it's robots doesn't mean I'm going to like it, right? There's plenty of robot movies I have disliked. Mm-hmm. May I direct you to Terminator 3? Or Salvation? Or, or Genesis? <laughs> plenty of options of robot movies that I don't like. And possibly Real Steel. We'll find out. Uh, but that is uh, what's coming in next week on the Atomic Cinema Experiment. Uh, and you can look forward to a few other things uh, soon. We have we have a premium uh, vote winner to sort of still check off the list that should be coming very soon, mm-hmm. so look forward to that. Um, otherwise, we are getting kind of close to that. You know, I, I mentioned at the start of this this is episode ninety, uh, so we do have a very special movie plan for episode one hundred, which will probably be in January. So look forward to that. Um, probably right at the start of January, actually, depending on the way the weeks work out. Uh, but. That is pretty much us. I mentioned Patreon earlier, patreon.com slash TV. so check out that. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe and all that stuff on YouTube, super important, it helps us out a lot. Uh, catch us on Twitter at mail underscore fuzz for channel updates. Uh, but otherwise, I think that's everything I have to promote. Oh, Tara, promote something else that they might like from Mailfuzz TV. Well, if you enjoy epic science fiction long-form storytelling, maybe check out our reviews of Babylon 5. We are... Just getting started in season one, and they are weekly, so please check that out. Watch along with us. Thank you. There you go. Boom. Uh, so that is us. That is the Atomic Cinema Experiment. So thank you very much for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching Sci-Fi Guys and Computer at Salsa. We are cancelling the apocalypse.